0: Hello and welcome to your post match Raw on AI Pro, podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Denny, and joining me to give their immediate reactions to Liverpool 2, Newcastle 1 in the Premier League from Anfield are Carl Matchett and Mo Chatra. Carl, you can take your uh, Stan Collymore moment uh, and stop replaying it and put it in the bin because we have uh, a dramatic. Liverpool-Newcastle moment to top the very lot there. Uh, Whether it's deserved or not is almost irrelevant. We will get to that. It'll be part of our show. But what a way to end the game of football.
2: Absolutely beautiful. It could not have been any better whatsoever. I think the only thing I can really compare what happened here to is that beautiful, beautiful moment in the derby last season when Alisson slowly collapsed to his knees and then to the ground after Jordan Pickford had been doing it all game long. And then we went and took the lead. It was just the most perfect thing imaginable because that entire game was an absolute horror show of them wasting time. Now we can get to our own failings and that's fine, but they must have taken up about, I'd say about six and a half weeks during that 90 minutes of just having cramp and having knocks to the head, and facial injuries, and God knows whatever else was going on. It was the most frustrating thing, and I'm absolutely glad, delighted that we won it in the manner and with the time on the clock that we did.
0: Now, I've got to say, in a different situation, you could see how we could offload quite a lot of frustration, and anxiety, and rage onto Andre, the sailor man there, uh, in terms of how he dealt with said shit housing all the way through the game. Um, it was beyond infuriating and he seemed to have the level of control that one would expect of a newbie teacher going into a gang of reprobates on day one. It was quite sad to see, but we must also include the caveat that when it came to playing the letter of the law in terms of add-ons to the add-ons he did actually okay by us in the end. The goal does not happen if he doesn't do what he did. In other words, play the time wasting time that they uh, actually managed to put in during the added time. That's what, what you know, yeah, that leads to the opportunity for, for, for Fabio to, to do what he, what he did just before I go to Mo to get his initial thoughts as well. the, the you, you you reckon we've plenty to talk about in terms of our own uh, uh, shortcomings on the night. It, it did have a couple of those flags, those little red flags, the concession of the goal, the inability to sort of get up ahead of steam and the odd flatness in the crowd, those things all kind of combining. Uh, it's, a, it's an uncomfortable watch uh, when we're like that, Carl.
2: Yeah, I think uncomfortable is probably the right word, to be honest, because you know that there's so much more to see. There's so much more that everybody there is capable of. And I kind of feel like at the moment, the the, the team um, playing patterns are there, but it's all at slow motion. And quite a few of those individuals within the patterns are not really on top of their game at all. And so all of that is like having a bit of a knock-on effect. So that It looks like Liverpool and you can recognise it as Liverpool, but it's just not as good as you expect it to be it's not as effective as you expect it to be uh, and that is quite a quite a frustration i think you, you've got to take positives at this at this point as well and point to a few players like Harvey Elliott again outstanding i thought he was absolutely everywhere today um so there are a couple of people who are trying to pick up the slack from one or two others but we're about to enter the most ridiculous run of a season at this stage which i can remember you know the the Continuity and the relentlessness of the fixtures, which are now about to come on, and we really do need more individuals and thus the team as a as a an entire working entity to be performing a lot better than we are at the moment,
0: yeah I think that's absolutely fair and mo like i mean uh, it would be silly of us to do anything other than be delighted in the wake of such a dramatic last minute win, of course we're going to revel in that, and we will have plenty and plenty of fun uh in Picking out the good parts and dwelling on the end of the match, but we do have to be honest. Um, and a Newcastle team, shorn of possibly their three most valuable attacking assets, uh, with their new signing um, coming in very last minute and and and, and making his first appearance, you couldn't have expected a whole lot from the from the guy. He came good, but they came good in a way as well. Yes, they were absolutely frustrating as hell uh, and as a result I have no fondness for them but they did play some decent football and they kept a very very high intensity in the game throughout and kept us under pressure uh, you'd have to say uh, that it, 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 there's a lot going on there that's right under Eddie Howe Yeah I mean
3: um the, uh, the born uh, sorry, the uh, Newcastle tactics were um, very clear before the game had even started in terms of how they were set up, how they would um, put the time waste and frustrate. You know, there is an absolute mountain of evidence now um, for opposition analysts um, and, and clubs um, to study and to understand how to get at Liverpool, how to negate our strengths and... Um, you know that that was deployed beautifully, certainly in the first half. Um, if anything, they were the better team. They certainly, um, you know, delivered to their end in a, a way that we we couldn't. And um, you know, they they did that in a way that is contrary to the, the kind of uh, philosophical leanings of uh, Eddie Howe. You know, we we know from his former days that he, he does like to play. Uh, a, Generally attacking um, open style of football, and yet um, you know he, he's studied the way that we we are frustrated by um, teams that do um, you know form a rigid shape and you know defending numbers and uh, you know th- threw in ample amounts of time wasting from probably about the fifth minute onwards um, so all, all of that was uh, proving to be very effective certainly in the first half. And um, in the second half, um, you know, we were really made to work extremely hard um, to make any real headway. But, uh, you know, it was ultimately the result that counted. The performance um, certainly in certain respects left a lot to be desired in the first half. I thought we upped our game in the second and um, overall an absolutely delightful outcome. Um, The the finish was one that we'll remember for many a year. Um, And uh, most pleasing of all was the fact that, you know, our two youngest players on the pitch um, Mm. made such a telling difference to get that victory. And, you know, what's really important is it was more than just the three points. I think had we suffered yet another uh, draw, lost further ground on those at the top end of the table, um, it would have been demoralising especially in a week like this when there's so much noise um, on social media and elsewhere about um, the lack of activity in the transfer window, and the players are not oblivious to that. They are on social media just like the rest of us, and they, they see this negativity, and um, you know, for tonight at least, you know, that has been lifted, and you know, we, we can enjoy um, what was an absolutely fantastic win in the end.
0: I'm glad you took it there because we should just frame up the rest of the show with – the elephant in the room, which is the the ongoing will we, won't we, uh, everyone watching press conferences, uh, uh, trying to interpret um, signs and signals and uh, 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 all sorts uh, around midfield recruitment. Uh, we now are, are in possession of the knowledge post-match, immediately post-match. Klopp always said that uh, the captain has a hamstring injury um, and, you know, the the toll keeps on rising. There are some positive news, but some guys coming back into the fold. But you know how long that will take. How long it'll take them to reacclimatize and so on and so forth. So you can see, and Mo, you were you were right to say it earlier on before the mics went live. You can see actually the high that we're on now, and the fans will be on into tomorrow morning. Can you can see the arse dropping right out of that, can't you? If nothing happens, uh, and. yet another uh, fallen horse here I guess the doom and gloom merchants might have a freaking point Mo yeah yeah I mean look
3: this is yet another game this season where um, certainly for crucial sections of the game our midfield um, and and one midfielder in particular um, left a lot to be desired I thought the first half, um, you know, there, there was real, real problems um, in, in the performance of Jordan Henderson. Um, and it's just as well our esteemed colleague Dave Hendrick isn't here because he would <laughs> be um, absolutely tearing into sheds. And to be honest, uh, you know, the Henderson discussion is being done to death and, you know, it was not certainly in the first half um, a, a strong Performance so anything close to it by by him and and that was part of the reason why um you know we were struggling and um obviously he had, he had a part to play in the newcastle goal as well which compounded the frustrations around around the captain um but what it goes back to is the fact that we've seen it as a common theme now um for a number of games that that kind of energy that dynamism um we we see in the likes of Carvalho and Elliott um, are, are not there in those that have been getting more minutes in the centre of the park thus far this season. And, um, you know, that has been adding to the clamour for an uh, addition to the midfield. That, look, you know, this midfield uh, group that we have, you know, in between injuries and players that are past their peak, um, are going to struggle this season against... Um, you know, other midfields from rival teams in particular um, who have that great level of energy, dynamism and ultimately quality. And, uh, you know, it it is a problem that will have to address. Um, You know, obviously, there's been a lot of discussion around that. And obviously, we don't want to labour that point too much on on this podcast. But, uh, yeah, we we certainly saw evidence of, you know, the, the, the various concerns raised by large section of the fan base in that first half. Um, But fortunately, um, the second half saw a turnaround and, you know, driven by the least experienced of the midfielders in in Elliott, who I thought second half was outstanding and, um, you know, had had Henderson not suffered that hamstring injury with Thiago about to return, would have left Jürgen Klopp with a huge decision to make in terms of whether to retain Harvey in that right central midfield role or to return Henderson to that position and, and drop Elliott to the bench. But I think all the evidence to the second half, um, he'd be a very brave manager, even you know, drop, to, to drop Harvey on, on, on that second half performance.
0: Yeah, I'd have to say for me, he was our most consistently effective footballer throughout. I thought he did excellently. And along with um, Luis Diaz, it's interesting that our three most notable footballers uh, on the night are uh, Harvey, uh, Fabinho, who I thought was back to his best, bar some of his shooting, which is actually part of Fabinho's game. Uh, And the the the, uh, the introduction of Carvalho and that's a trio I wouldn't mind seeing in the in the uh, derby against Everton so just putting that out there into the universe for Klopp to get it a little hold of and Carl let's have a quick look at the 11s before we get into the details of the match uh I don't think there's any shock I mean I I, I <laughs> You didn't have to be a genius to go to know that that was the team Klopp was going to go with. There was almost no choice around it at all. Bar perhaps he could have selected Milner for Henderson, but I don't really see that he had any other choice. Could Simicus have made a case? Again, I don't know. I I can't. I Robertson had a very good uh, outing the last day as well. So uh, to me, that team was always going to be the team. Our bench on the day, for the record, in case people didn't see the game, we went with that same team again of Allison, Trent, Gomez, Van Dijk and Robertson, Elliot, Fabinho, Henderson, Salah, Firmino and Diaz. and on the bench, we had Milner, Adrian, Jones, Simikas, Carvalho, Matip, Bacetic, Phillips and Davies. And uh, that's not a bench that leads you to great amounts of excitement um, until it does uh, when uh, in the shape of young Carvalho, uh, 20, I think uh, all of a day, uh, he uh, lights it up. But where I'm interested in looking at with you is the Newcastle team. I heard yourself and Dave talk about this lot in advance of the game and what he went with was Pope, Trippier, Lascelles and Byrne and Target, Willock, Longstaff and Fraser, Almiron, Isaac and Joe Linton. And I know you guys weren't sure if the deal even would be done or the paperwork signed and uh, whatever the relevant things, box ticking exercises would have been done to get Isaac onto the field. But, um, well, he made a hell of an impact, uh, Joe Linton continued to do his uh, uh, big man industry thing in the middle of the park to great effect, including his shit housing, to be fair. And on the bench now, they've got Botman and Shar, Richie and Lewis, Mankio, Wood, Murphy, Darlow and Anderson. And considering the amount of money they have, and I think you'll agree with me on this, they still haven't gone out obviously and just splurged on getting names in at the set for the sake of it at a quick, at a quick turnover. They're clearly trying to do something. And I wouldn't mind if you wouldn't mind trying to condense into a few sentences. What do you think it is that Eddie Howe is trying to build there in terms of a system?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the sign and the VSAC is a pretty smart one overall. If we ignore the fact that he's obviously annoyed us for half a game tonight. Um, we spoke about it in Scouted, in that he can play multiple roles across that forward line. He gives them someone who can play either with or alongside Callum Wilson, or he can play off him or from the side of him. Or as we've seen tonight, he can lead the line and give them a lot of what Wilson does in terms of a bit of pacing behind at times. Uh, someone who's not just going to you know represent an oak tree like Chris Wood tends to do. Uh, he is going to give them a bit more mobility in that forward line, which they definitely didn't have if he wasn't playing. Uh, especially since now they have got rid of. Uh, perennial four time substitute a season. Um, Dwight Gale at long last, he's no longer in the Premier League so they did need as well as the added quality obviously they they needed that more uh, mobility and pace in attack. I think Isak is a little bit overpriced for obviously how much they paid for him and what he's done so far but this is a smart move for a team who are no question about it going to get better in the coming years because Isak is a player young enough to grow with them. He's able to be moulded into whatever kind of forward they really want him to be And although he is obviously better than where, let's say, Newcastle were last year, he has not proven himself so much that, you know, Champions League teams were rushing out to sign. And that's quite evident by the fact that nobody was really willing to pay Real that what they wanted this summer, except for them. Um, So I do like what they're doing in terms of the team building, trying to improve, let's say, at least one position in each line. I think Botman, uh, Gimaris and Isaka, players who were above Newcastle station, pre-takeover let's say but they're not so far advanced they're not so big and so much better than everybody else you know in the let's say the after sixth position in the league you know they 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 are good enough to be in that top six but they're not already definitely got to be champions league players except for Mardis I think he probably should have done but they're doing it nicely in in stages I think it's quite important that over the next couple of transfer windows they, they improve the squad depth because a couple of them that you mentioned there on the bench, you wouldn't really expect people like Javier Manquillo we know very well, obviously, uh, Carl Dallo. now that he's going to be the second-choice goalkeeper. Um, Matt Ritchie, I don't even think he should have been in the team before the takeover, to be honest, especially, that left back at the very least. But these are the kind of players now that they'll have to upgrade next time. And assuming that they're going to stick with the same sort of system that they have at the moment, you can see what they're doing. You know, they're hard-working. They really fight for each other. They can all play a bit of football. Uh, right the way through the lines, they've got a couple of really nice partnerships going on there as well. Um, you look at sort of the work that Trippi and Almiron do doubling up with each other. Joe Linton, like you've met, mentioned, is kind of everywhere now. He's become this real phenomenal box-to-box player for them. And uh, I I must say, I do like the work that they've done. I don't like how they implemented it tonight, necessarily, but you, you've got to do what you've got to do, haven't you? You know, if you go to a, a club you know are going to have more ball than you and they're going to have more... Uh, attacking opportunities, then you've got to come up with the game plan, and obviously we don't like it and obviously, there are ways to combat that, um but you can't really deny that they had a plan, which very, very nearly worked for them tonight
0: yeah, uh thanks for that. I appreciate that because again, it's not everybody that gets to listen to everything, and it's nice to keep people in the loop and With that in mind, Mo, just seeing as we're um sort of milking the expertise of the panel here, uh what do you make just again in brief? of the approach taken by the newly moneyed Newcastle. um, Do you see a method to it? Are you impressed or unimpressed? Uh, Do you expect the spending to ramp up uh, all of a sudden? Is there some sort of a, a, a sort of slowly, slowly and then splurge? Or do you think it's going to continue in this more methodical way?
3: Well, I mean, it, it seems methodical, but then they have spent more in the last eight months than we as a club have in the last four years. So, um, Fair. <laughs> they, they spent, I think, well, certainly in excess of £200 million um, since the January transfer window opened, um, you know, some eight, nine months back. So, you know, they, they will ramp it up, though. The, this is just the start, and it seems low-key, and... I think what I'm impressed by is the fact that you know they they aren't going for superstar signings, um, in the way that you know a club who should know better in a Manchester United might do and have done. Um, you know, a lot of their buys seem to be quite astute. Gimraish um, clearly oozing in quality. Um, Isak also a player that um, I think will add a lot to the Premier League, and I expect them to follow that up with more business, perhaps not to the same extent in January, um, but I I think that uh, if they manage to get into the top six or seven and get into Europe uh, next season, um, we can expect um, three or four um, pretty hot talents coming in to augment the group that they've already put together, which in itself is starting to look quite impressive. Um, Certainly two years from now, uh, I, I am worried about what this team will be, um, and, and by that point, you know Eddie Howe may have moved on. They might look to bring in somebody um, with a bit more gravitas, more established, more of a color, more, of, more of a track record, at, you know, at the top level. Um, but I, I think you know they are doing things in the right way, and o- obviously um, there's plenty of discussion to be had around. Where the money is coming from and um, who the owners really are. Um, and, you know, there's certainly unsavory aspects to that. But in terms of the way that um, Newcastle as a club are going about their business, um, I, I'm quite impressed and I'm worried at the same time.
0: Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people will have similar thoughts. Um, I, I, I like. Uh, your your observation on Eddie Howe as well I mean for all the plaudits um, and uh, uh, admiration I, I don't think he stands a chance of being there in two years if they do continue to bring in the very high level uh, a high caliber of talent that they will be hoping to uh, uh, I could be wrong um, maybe I'm doing the man terrible disservice um, but I would imagine it will go the way that we might expect it there and that you have suggested. I'll stay with you Mo to talk about the start of the first half uh, begun by Mr. Andre, the sailor man um, when he blew his whistle and within two minutes, uh, Luis Diaz had a ball into Mo Salah, but he couldn't quite get there. Um, Trent did quite well against Fraser on six minutes. I picked these things out because I'm always looking for good examples of Trent defending. And not only did he sort of win the ball back, but launched a counter attack. Um, Harvey Elliott's first really impressive moment with a cross field to Robbo on seven minutes. Absolutely class, uh, as was pretty much everything the kid did tonight. Uh, There was a little Henderson dink over the top, which actually almost got Luis Diaz in on eight minutes on 10. After Mo Salah was assaulted, not once, but twice, they had a counter. And Isak cut in from the the left hand side and blasted wildly over. But it was a little bit of a sign of of what was to come. Um, Now, at this point as well, I've made the observation about sort of 12, 13, 14 minutes in. If Fabinho is balling, then the Reds are balling. And that's basically what you see here. Uh, him setting tempo, him getting his foot in, him being able to sit at the base of a midfield and and, and, and um, be both creative and effective as a shield. And it was nice to see um, those who are inclined to look uh, less favorably, Uh, on his pal who was on the left in the eighth position might have suggested that a lot of stuff started to slow down um, as he takes a touch and turns back into himself or whatever. It's not all the time at all. Um, And sometimes uh, the captain's passing is very progressive, but it was quite notable that the difference between the two of those guys in terms of the, the nature of how they received and dealt with the ball in those opening stages was quite contrasting. Um, You know, the dinked balls towards the goalkeeper are quite frustrating. Uh, Bobby Firmino, uh, worthy of many mentions. Uh, I was hopeful that what we saw the last day was a renaissance. And I thought he was outstanding today. Really good linking play, coming back into the midfield, winning tackles, regaining possession, Incredible passes uh, and there when you need them as well uh, at the sharp end. Tremendous stuff. We're going to take it through another little couple of minutes here. Uh, 17, there's a ball into Fraser from the left-hand side. He swiveled and shot over narrowly. He had a little bit too much space for my liking, Mo, I have to say. It just seemed too simple. A ball into a lad who's floating in the middle in plenty of space. Time to swivel and shoot. I didn't like it. A good read by Trent on 19 to kill a counter attack. He swept in, sort of coming across from the um, his side, across over towards Robbo's side. He did really well, uh, launched a bit of a counter And on 19 minutes, we saw Luis Diaz carry the ball, uh, pull over a center, but it was just behind Mo Salah, who was, you know, I thought just poor. Uh, on the night that's the first 20 Mo if there's anything you want to pick out of it feel free to do that if there's anything you want to comment on feel free to do that if yeah, there's nothing there also feel free to do that
3: yeah so I mean I agree with you know um, a point you make about Mo I think that again his position um, too far from goal um, and uh, in the Discord group uh, because I was having a bit of a discussion with Gags about, well, is that Mo or is that more of a tactical thing where he's following instruction? Um, his Gags view was that it was more a tactical thing, <laughs> following destruct- uh, 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 instruction. And, uh, you know, that, that for me, seems almost barmy that, you know, uh, our most potent attacking threat, um you know, it's kind of, uh, taken out of the game almost by being played so far away and um, so far out wide um, and on top of that um, and it's something we've seen throughout, well, for much of 2022 Mo seems to have been over-complicating his game as well um, taking too many touches um, lingering a bit too ponderous on the ball um, you know, some of that quick movement that we have been used to seeing from him over the years um, really not very obvious in that first half at all um and that was concerning um and then on top of that um you know as you noted some fine play from bobby but again in terms of um you know, being a goal threat less so um albeit obviously we went on to score the equalizer later on um but i thought our um, standout from an attacking perspective was um Diaz, who who's certainly seen the liveliest um you know right from the start of the game all the way throughout uh, so I thought he had yet another very strong game, but um yeah it, it wasn't quite as high a tempo a start of the game as I would have liked to have seen coming off of the Bournemouth performance um and that I think contributed to the atmosphere um perhaps becoming a bit subdued earlier than I, again, anticipated. I thought that before the game started, Anfield sounded loud and vociferous, and under the lights, you know, the atmosphere is normally pretty strong, um, but it, it kind of fizzled out pretty quickly, and when that happens, then it, it tends to then um, filter onto the pitch, and, uh, yeah, some of our um, play, you know, in, in those opening stages, were not not the most inspiring, and um, you know it, it certainly played well into tactics that uh, Newcastle looked to deploy.
0: I'm glad you said that about the atmosphere. Because Sometimes I feel like I'm banging a, a solitary um, 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 tambourine on this. Uh, and it's not to be critical. I mean, I know what it's like to be in the ground when it's tense and you can feel anxious and you don't really feel like doing anything. And it's not about telling people how to support, uh, but it doesn't help. It really doesn't help, I have to say. Carl, as we move from that point, I think we can go at least as far as the goal and maybe just the rest of the half because uh, there aren't that many incidents of note which come after after um, that, but there are actually some things to talk about. Um, there was on the 24th minute um, a corner from which we got nothing, and then I noted then that these are time-wasting, and that's at the 25th minute mark. Um Mariner, of course, is given nothing. He's not pulling anyone up on it. It's so blatant. It's so obvious. Uh, And again, you would like to see some refereeing sort of fortitude, some sort of uh, intervention around that, but there's nothing. uh, We see this all the time now. Um, And I guess teams understand that if you break up our rhythm and our flow, that that's a good way to... um, impact a result against us. So it's not so much that I blame Newcastle. I don't have to like them. I don't. I don't have to like it. I don't. But in terms of blaming them, it's not really the point. It it should be dealt with. It's not. um, There is an opportunity on 28 minutes for them where a trippier hits a free kick but it's straight at allison uh mo to be fair to the lad even though he wasn't good tonight he was getting assaulted again and again another thing that referees completely fail to deal with this is not red tinted lenses he gets pulled and dragged all over the place it's just allowed in basketball in the states I was, i've watched several documentaries recently where i mean they go out of the way referees to almost ignore when the star players commit fouls and to give fouls on the star players, it's the exact antithesis where Mo Salah is involved. Twenty nine minutes, there's a kind of a penalty shed. We didn't see a replay until much later. Uh, when I did see it, and uh, the ball does drop from Burns' chest on uh, onto his hand, would have been tough. Um, but it's the assault beforehand that I was thinking of. Thirty three minutes, there's a brilliant turn and a pass by Harvey Elliott to Bobby Firmino his beautiful through ball is fantastic Luis uh, Diaz is coming in from the left and he goes takes it past the keeper out to the right and he tries to hook it back uh, towards goal but unfortunately kind of slices it gets under it and it goes over the top um it's a fantastic move our best moment of the game no doubt um they continue with their endless fouling and shithousing between that and 37 minutes where Isaac puts them ahead and it just has this horrible gl- 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 gloomy feel to it. Now, after that, all I've got is uh, that really impressed by Harvey Elliott and we had something like eleven nine 9 corners in the added time at the end of the first half, which was added on because they were shithousing and time-wasting. Um, but around the goal itself, uh, we should talk a little bit about this, Carl and Mo can have his tuppence worth as well if he wants. Um, there's a lot of sloppiness. The it begins with Trent's crossfield ball that's inter, intercepted by Willock. Um I've seen a very simple um version of that which which came from um a colleague of yours who said uh, Trent's sloppy ball was intercepted and Fabinho didn't track his man and Liverpool concede. There's a lot more to it than that and I'm sure you're going to take us into the detail. Willock does launch the attack and it, it ends, uh, ends up down our right inside. Eventually, um, Longstaff plays a ball, a through ball into an unmarked Isaac or Isaac who's made a very good run to be fair to the lad, but he was, I mean, it's not. <laughs> Rocket science. He, he 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 looked. He he went into a gap that existed, uh, and he finished beautifully past Allison. You have to say I I, I don't know who was it on Sky. Was it, it could have been Shay Given I think who was talking about it from a keeper's point of view. Like he was saying, that's one of the best goalkeepers in the world. You're one v one with him, and Allison might as well not have been there. It is a tremendously taken finish. to Give the kid his credit and 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 a really good run, great through ball. All of the things at Newcastle did were good most of the stuff we did, if not all of it, around the concession of it was bad. Talk us through it from your perspective.
2: Uh yeah, a bit of a mess and a muddle. Obviously Trent's pass in the first place led to it, but it's not it's not at that point where there's immediate danger. It's not at that point where it's a goal scoring opportunity. Uh Virgil has to go over, I think over to the left hand side and he sort of follows play out a little bit to prevent them going back in. And when that happens, other people have to step in and fill gaps which have been left behind now in the first instance this does happen because Henderson is slightly tucked in uh left of center Fabinho has dropped slightly deeper into where more or less where Van Dijk would have been but the problem comes after that pass when Van Dijk is not there and then it goes into a, a sort of sort of deep midfield area and at that point Henderson and Fabinho have to be on the same wavelength here and probably Joe Gomez has to be a little bit more aware of what's happening as well um, we did not have a very good line. That's the first thing. If we're gonna try and either catch people offside or keep spacing behind for Allison to come out or anything like that, people have to be in a line and nobody was whatsoever. But the bigger thing was that Henderson and Fabinho had to do one of two things. One had to go to the ball and one had to stay. Instead, what we got was oh sorry, one had to go to the ball and one had to drop to follow the runner, or to hold a line, which did not exist at that moment. So what then happened was Fabinho, who was deepest, stepped out that left an even bigger gap behind obviously and Henderson then really needed to drop behind Fabinho and he didn't he stayed exactly where he was and did nothing of the sort uh so you can take your pick who you want to blame for that goal the problem was shambolic defending by the team um nothing to take away at all from uh, from Isak i think is basically his two shots tonight were pretty good after his first one which was wild um finish was really really good it's not something you always get from Isaac, to be perfectly honest. So, really great moment for him, obviously, uh, in front of their fans as well. Um, nothing that Alisson could do about it. I don't really think Alisson did anything, much of anything tonight. Nothing particularly great, nothing particularly bad at all, but it's not much he could have done. Um, that was of our own making. We put ourselves in a bad position and we never got ourselves back organised again after. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think that's interesting And in in terms of your analysis around the concession of the goal. And in terms of that first half as a whole, I mean, you, 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 I think it's fair to say there was certain amounts of um, the correct kind of thing going on from Liverpool. But it was a little, just that little bit toothless. Like I say, I think it's well into that first half where we have our first really proper moment where that Bobby threw a ball. Uh, and the Diaz effort over the that's after the half hour mark. So, uh, you know, it, it's understandable that people were a little bit gloomy in terms of their take on that first half. And more in terms of I mean, it's not of enough. How- Trev,
2: it's, it's not really enough, though, is it? You you just just coming back off the back of a nine nil win at home, and it's against a team who has started really well and was unbeaten coming into that match. You would expect more from Liverpool, and even with players out, even with you know, the situation of the season as it has started, you do expect more from Liverpool. And I completely agree with what you've said about the the crowd where it's, you know, has gone a bit flat a bit early on and all the rest of it, but that has stemmed from the performance level. It's the energy levels again and the lack of tempo that we've had in the game. You cannot rely every single time on the crowd to lift you, just like you cannot rely every single time on the team to start in a perfect manner. But when it has happened a bit too often at the start of the season and when there's not an immediate remedy to that, I'm... I'm more inclined to to put the the emphasis of needing, or you know, the burden of needing to to rectify that on on the team itself.
0: I, I think that's absolutely fair, and 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 just for the record, and I'll hop this question off Mo as well before we start the second half. Uh, any sort of uh, uh, insight as to what might be going on, Carl? I mean, like I, I've heard an awful lot of talk. I think because it's just a handy one to go to about fatigue, um, uh, about the exertions of last season and so on and so forth. I'm not buying any of that. I'll be honest. Um, people blame that the injuries and that as well, but maybe it's maybe it's maybe it's valid. I don't know. But I, like you. I have a higher level of expectation from those guys on that field in terms of what they're producing. Um, any takes on what might be the malaise there?
2: So I, I have said on one of the roars that we did recently, I think that for the first couple of games, this group of players has struggled to come to terms with a little bit with not having won games, not having won games as uh, almost robotically. And I mean that in a good way, as as they have been doing previously in, in previous seasons, it's, it wouldn't be a surprise like if after the Man City game and we beat them and you know, it's it's quite positive and optimistic and then you kind of feel like you're going to go not into autopilot, but into your rhythm straight away, you know, and not have to go above and beyond. And maybe a few of them forgot that you do have to. Every single game, you've got to be like right on top. Otherwise, teams in the Premier League will beat you or will frustrate you or will not let you play your game. And I think a couple of them probably did struggle with that. And when you add in the fact that we've had so many injuries, it's not the fact that, um, you know, we, we don't have options to change the game. We don't, but I don't think that that's so much the case as, it's relying on the starters to immediately be very, very good, which not everybody is all the time. So we use the bench for that reason. You're relying on a group of players to perform at the highest level they can without any competition for places. Because like we've said again today, we're never going to change the team. What are we are going to do? Bring in Milner for Henderson? That, that's it. That's pretty much the only option you've got. So there's no competition for places pushing people to play at their absolute limit. There's a lack of overall energy and intensity about the performance levels, which is something the players have to do themselves, but comes from confidence and rhythm and being on top form. And when you're playing just completely naturally, like people like Javier, you can see he's not tired. And there's no reason that, let's say, um, who's had a nice summer off? Pretty much all of them, in fact, because not too many of them have played too much over the summer. Anyone who hadn't played loads and loads last season, like, there's no reason why Jordan Henderson should be tired. Right? He's not had a, a, a grueling eight months and come straight back into the season or anything like that so no I don't think tiredness or fatigue is a is a factor at this point people have been subbed off because they've not been playing well people have been subbed off and taken out of the team because they've not been showing the levels required to get victories and I think that if we had have had a much fuller squad one we would have made more changes than we have done and two we probably wouldn't have anyway because those players who were in the team would have been pushed more would have been playing harder would have been subbed off earlier and other people come in and make the case to show exactly what's needed and so on it's all had a bit of a knock-on effect I don't think there's a single reason for it but fatigue at this stage is a stupid thing to suggest in my opinion and now that we're getting a few of them back I wouldn't be surprised to see an uptick but it has to be also as a result of you know taking the confidence from this really late win and you know hopefully beating Everton 5-0 at the weekend and that kind of thing and you build it up bit by bit we were there for so so long, and maybe when you lose it all in a row at the start of the season, it's it takes a little bit to get it back.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I I was hoping the reset moment would be the dramatic and 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 very very uh, emphatic win against Bournemouth. but maybe it's more that our ID our DNA the thing that makes us a team is moments like the very final seconds of this match Uh, and that might be the trigger again we're sort of glass grasping that straws a little bit here Mo and it's not to be gloomy but we have to talk about what actually happened on the night and we're going to go into the second half now and it's going to be mostly good stuff and we're building up towards I definitely want to have quite a deep uh, good chat around some of the events around the goal as well that wins it but just to give you your worth on uh, what you think is 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 going on at the moment? I'm sure you've heard all the things that myself and Carl have discussed there, from uh, theories being floated by various people. Um, what do you reckon it is? Again, just an accumulation of the, you know the bad luck of of the of the injuries and not having the pl- players available to 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 rotate and to keep that pressure on. Um, plus, perhaps some distinct underperformance by in certain individuals, um, or is there something a little bit more insidious that you'd be worried about?
3: I think it's a variety of factors, you know, such as the ones that Carl touched upon. Um, I think that, you know, sport generally, but football in particular, uh, can be, uh, very, um, influenced by confidence. And, um, now, there can be factors that can significantly affect confidence um, and you know I hate to go back to it but recruitment is one of them now virgil van dyck um in the last few days did uh, publicly come out and talk about um midfield um and uh when you know he as one of the top players within our squad you know he's publicly talking out and he's actually saying look we, we need more here. We need more uh depth, more quality, um, more you know, more, more bodies. Um then it suggests that you know within within the squad there is a feeling that you know we, we've got quality in goal between the sticks at the back, you know, in the front line, perhaps in the middle of the park. Um uh, yes, we've got you know, Fabinho and Thiago, um, but beyond that, you know, yes, there is still quality there. Um, But either there's issues around injuries, you know, or, uh, um, you know, age or um, inexperience, even, which means that, you know, we, we can't necessarily rely upon others to perform consistently. And that is ultimately what we need to do. You know, we're up against an absolute juggernaut in Manchester City. And if we want to win the title this season and in future seasons, we know we have to go at levels that are unprecedented in the history of the Premier League. We need to be racking up 90 percent, ninety plus points um, just to give ourselves a chance, never mind to win the league. Um, but when you know, some players in the squad aren't seeing the club, for whatever reason, get certain business done, I think that can have a demotivating effect in the same way that a club like Arsenal bringing Gabriel Jesus in and have an uplifting effect on, on, you know, that team. So I I think that's a contributing factor. Um, And also, let's, you know, quickly touch on the intensity thing. I was reading a tweet from um, our colleague, uh, Dan Kennett, and he he noted that in the first four games of the season, or first four match days of the season, we were 17th in the Premier League um, for high-intensity metres. Whereas um, last season, the season before, um, we were in the top two. So you know that that shows there's been a clear drop off in that intensity uh, that we know Pep Linder's love to talk about as well. And you know I, I think there are a variety of factors. I, I don't think it's just one thing. Um, but you know certainly the injury situation hasn't helped. And um, you know that that is a subject which perhaps um hasn't really been touched upon enough in terms of what are the root causes because with 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 the captain's hamstring that's the sixth I think sixth hamstring injury in the last six weeks. Um you know which is freakishly high um for for any squad. So it it's not great. You know, we we, we do need to do something. Um and it's not just about recruitment, it's about looking at um all the other factors that are causing us to um, not perform in terms of intensity and um, that kind of energy that we normally expect of this group. And uh, we we need to address it very, very quickly, because if we don't, you know, sure, we won tonight, um, but, you know, we have got some tough games coming up over the next several weeks as well. And um, we we certainly don't want to be losing further ground on City or, for that matter, um, other teams uh, above us.
0: (laughs) few things on what you said there uh it's becoming increasingly clear that the witch that clapo was talking about in the building needs to be eradicated by uh bruce grubler pissing on the goalposts again or something uh because that run of luck is getting daft um it's good to hear dan's uh analysis statistical analysis and scientific analysis backing up the eye test because that's what you know we've been seeing um and it's it's good to know that you're not mad um because other people would tell you you were to suggest there might have been a lack of effort Klopp himself called that out so again like i say that's nice to hear sort of the, that there's empirical evidence for that type of thing as well and just before we move into the second half two managerial quotes you might find interesting eddie Howe has the audacity to say about the time wasting It's a Premier League game. There's so much fatigue. They had one more day rest than us. There was no gamesmanship from us. It was tired bodies. All right, Eddie. Fine. That's fine. We'll go with that. And Kloppo, um, this is from via Neil Bad News Jones, asked if he expects deadline day transfers. I don't think so, says Klopp. But as long as there's time, we should not close the door completely. So maybe start getting those uh <laughs> start bracing yourself for tomorrow's absolute shit show on the bird app. Uh let's barrel into the second half uh and take what we can out of it. And we build up Mo, myself, and yourself up to the first goal, which is Bobby Firmino's there came out in the second half immediately doing the uh, time wasting, which um Eddie Howe calls fatigue. Uh nothing much happens. There is uh, a ball, the ball's in the back end net from Isak after 54 minutes. To be fair, he actually, he did his part really well. Did our defense up like a kipper. Uh, he's offside. But frankly, my reaction to that was, if you'll pardon my um, industrial language, fuck this. It, I, I, I was fuming at how easy it was for him to get through us again and to get his finish away. Um, I'd like to think that that was a rocket for us. I don't know if it was or not on 59 minutes, Harvey has a dig. It's a sort of a low driven effort after a Mo Salah, either deliberate or indeliberate layoff. There was a ball into him and it drops down to Harvey who takes a touch and has his dig. Uh, But the Pope who was very good all night gets down, but, a minute later, we are one-one. It is Bobby Firmino and Mo. You take it away. Describe the goal to us um, and what you made of it.
3: Yeah, um, delightful. Um, again, started by Elliot with a really nice pass uh, to Mo, and um, you know Mo cut it back in and a uh, finish from Bobby that harkened back to his um, very late goal against. Harry Saint Germain in the Champions League at the start of the nineteen twenty season from virtually the identical spot on the pitch. So um a really, really good move. And um yeah, it was it was exactly what we were missing in the first half. You know, that kind of movement is what unlocks um you know, that kind of defensive shape that, you know Newcastle deployed superbly well in the first half and um I was delighted for you know Bobby as well. I mean I'll admit I've been one of the people that have been saying that you know he's he's done he's passed it, um, but in the last couple of games you know he's once again come out fighting and uh, you, know, you know silenced critics such as myself um, with back to back very strong performances. So um, that was um, a really really lovely goal and uh, you know it was it was this sort of thing that you know was needed because you know Anfield um, wasn't really drumming up that kind of atmosphere in, in the opening um, fifteen minutes that perhaps we would have hoped for. Um you know so they kind of uh, were induced out of that um no more of sorts to uh, once again might make um, some noise and and the atmosphere um certainly in the final thirty um what was better than it had been for the first sixty. So you know, all credit um to, to the three in terms of the finish and um, the assist um, but um, yeah that that lovely pass from Elliot um, set it up beautifully
0: absolutely and so so pleased for Bobby And I have to say like ooh, when we needed him um last time out and this time he's absolutely been fantastic i think and credit where it's due in that regard um a lot of people worried including myself that we might not have seen uh we might have seen the very best of that guy but i thought he was great really really classic for me in our performance tonight and great to tap it off uh, top it off rather with that beautiful sweeping finish uh, to put us back level and carl as we progress through the rest of the game I mean it is quite an interesting it's I think um our pals and BT were very excited by what they were seeing anyway in terms of it being a decent game for a neutral uh Mo Salah picks up a foul versus burn on 71 minutes I think that might be the first one he got um it was a free on the right side nothing came of it we were getting some momentum then immediately after that and at one point Lascelles and Joe Linton went down they forgot to do it separately. They going down at the same time, just fall on the ground. And again, Andre Mariner uh, completely incapable of dealing with it. 78 minutes, um, Luis Diaz cuts in, stung Pope's hands with a a dig, uh, another corner, nothing from that either. On 80, good work by Harvey. Um, There's a centre by Mo Salah and Luis Diaz shot, is sort of partially blocked on its way towards goal um, and dealt with. 82. Uh, free from the right dropped to Fabinho. His half volley was quite wild and over the top. Uh, 83 minutes. They bring on Anderson for Almiron, uh, on an 85 Simicus has a header, uh, and then another Fabinho long range effort this time, um, from the far side, the, the left-hand side of the pitch of the box rather, uh, it's well over the top again. um, Lascelles picks up a yellow for a, a reckless tackle on Harvey Elliott. Um, and then Murphy kicks the ball away, um, but Mr. Mariner doesn't see that. Uh, and there were several individuals kicking the ball away at this stage as well. And again, no none of them got spoken to even. Uh, there's a Simicis corner in 89 minutes, which goes straight into the keeper after some really great work by Harvey Elliott to earn the corner. Um, and again, a moment just to pause and say how good he was on the night. Just his, his ball retention, his usage, the bravery of his play. Uh, he took a ball at one stage and, uh, in the middle of the park and just turned away from a player, almost Thiago-esque, uh, and, 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 and set up a great move. Um, Milner has an, uh, creates an opportunity on 89 minutes with a free kick. It's quite clever. A little dink into Fabio Carvalho, uh, who was making a move towards the left-hand side of the penalty box. But he couldn't screw his shot on target. There were five minutes added. Obviously, keepers down for about half of those. Um, and on 96 minutes, there was a corner um, uh, from a decent ball by Bobby Firmino into Mo Salah, uh, and an effort led to a corner. And the, the match finishes um, after another couple of minutes of. In terribly frustrating Reds football, where we're sort of playing it over around at the back and not just launching it and not committing men forward and all that type of thing, uh, I I understand what I'm saying. I know how how old fashioned and agrarian and you know uh, uncultured that sounds, but. I found myself apoplectic watching those last few minutes as we were sort of tipping the ball from side to side and waiting for the perfect angle to launch the diagonal ball to a load of short lads in against a load of fucking monstrous groks. I mean, it was always going to be a breaking ball anyway. So, I mean, I found that infuriating. However, the goal when it comes is a joy. Now, I've loads I want to say about the aftermath. So, Carl, I'll let you describe the goal if you wouldn't mind, uh, because I believe we have to credit Mo Salah with an assist. Uh, And also, just before you go there, if there's anything you want to pick up on in that longish run of time that I mentioned there, which was a frustrating spell for us, feel free to do that
2: i'd first like to pick up on eddie howe's point i think um about the you know the the premier league industry and fatigue that his players are suffering which included Jamal cells who didn't play at the weekend and came into the team to largely stand still at center back and repel things uh his goalkeeper who does not run during the match at all and uh you know has absolutely nothing to do other than stand and jump so again Devastating fatigue that both of those must have been suffering. Joe Linton, you could almost understand it, other than you know, usually after the game he like runs home, including from away matches, mm-hmm. and also the fact that all of about four days ago, uh, it was quite funny that it was also one-one and also in the closing stages of the game. But he seemed to be the one who was charging around the pitch all over the place as they sought out uh, a late winner themselves against Wolves. But uh, obviously the, the the grass at Anfield must be a lot more. Um, I'm not sure if sticky is the word or greater friction on it and, you know, soul sapping and energy debilitating <laughs> and all the rest of it. So we're, we're obviously not using the same stuff in the, in Merseyside as they do at Molyneux. So maybe something to look into for next season. Uh, maybe that's contributing to our own energy levels. Who knows? Um, I was about to um, swear lots, uh, get very, very angry and actually publish quite a few pieces since when Joe Gomez decided to shoot on the volley from about 25 yards out. This is a guy who has never scored in his professional career and it did not seem completely likely that it would end up in the back of the net, I'll be honest. But I held off. I did the right thing. I kept Origi against Everton in mind, uh, even though I don't actually think I genuinely thought we were going to do it this time. The goal itself... I don't want to be mean here, but Mo Salah when the ball was dropping to him a couple of times, he kind of looked like, you know, one of your little cousins when they come over and they're just learning how to play football, but they don't actually want to head the ball. And he was kind of jumping towards it, but also getting himself out of the way of it a little bit as well. Uh, Thankfully, I'm not sure if it was, not sure if it was maybe Murphy or someone like that got like half a back heel to it or something, which kind of put it back in play instead of sending it to Nick Pope. And if it was most of the senior players on the team that that ball fell to, I'm telling you that they either try to cushion it in or tap it in or find a corner or something like that. And there's a good chance that Pope saves it, but because it's this kid, it's one of the few really young players, completely fearless players that we have in the team. He has just belted it as hard as he can. And it's an absolute thunder bastard in off the bar, absolutely perfect. And that is probably the loudest I've heard and field. I'm not sure. I think it, out-screened the last day of the season when a few people thought we were going ahead in the table. But I think too many people already knew that we weren't at that point. That was a a very, very very loud one. That one was kind of a Dortmund last minute sort of uh, explosion of noise there. It was very, very nice to witness. And I think there might be some holes in my desk as well. (laughs)
0: <laughs> the underside of the bar thing is was added uh spice for sure i really enjoyed that aspect of it i loved and you're right i loved the just youthful abandon that he well is it in with as well i mean it's glorious i have to say uh, it took me a long time to understand what had happened you know i was processing there for a while probably out of just shock and, and fear that you know VAR are going to say something um there's so much in the aftermath of the goal that I want to talk about and Mo, I'm going to get your last minute thoughts in a minute, but I want to let you talk about the goal as well because we'll all have different takes that both Carl and I have kind of focused on the, 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 the delight of uh, um, Fabio's execution of it, the fact it hits the bar, but there are other lovely things around it as well. For example, the absolute uh, glorious uh, vista of broken Newcastle lads just (laughs) bent over, kneeling down heads and hands in the immediate aftermath of it, just framed by their own goal. Uh, I have to say that's a delight as well. Just a little take from you on the goal uh, before you and I then wrap up and get your final thoughts. and I'll finish the show with Carl. Yeah, just desserts. It was
3: absolutely wonderful for You know, taking time-wasting to to new limits throughout the game. And um, the post-match meltdown as well. Um, You know, Alan Shearer going on about, oh, well, thought it was only five minutes of additional time. Conveniently ignoring the fact that Nick Pope spent at least two minutes of it, um, sat down on the floor, pretending to be um, injured with a shoulder injury after spending a good couple of minutes at the start of the first half, sat down. Pretending to be dizzy or whatever he was pretending to be. So, you know, it was all of this shit has re um, coming back to bite them in the arse. And, um, you know, they had literally no time um, to do anything about it because, you know, moments after um, the game resumed, um, it came to a halt. And um, it, it was absolutely one of the glorious moments um, of recent years at Anfield. And it was, you know, like I touched upon earlier on. You know, just the thing we needed um going into the game uh this weekend against um that other team of utter shit houses in Everton. You know, we're going to see more of the same and then some um uh, you know they're a team full of complete undesirables, you know, divers, cheaters, time wasters, um, you know, from one to eleven. So, you know, this game today, if anything, was a nice warm up to that one. And um, certainly, we'll all be absolutely buzzing, especially in that dressing room um, after that outcome, that glorious finish. Um, and you know, you know, Carvalho did really show that he, he had something about him, didn't he? Um, you know, that that finish was sublime, and um, you know, the timing of it, um, the execution. And uh, you know, albeit it was from you know very close range, it still. Um, you know needed the right technique to get it in and you know in off the crossbar uh, leaving nick Pope with no chance you know it, it was it was an absolute picture so joyous limbs everywhere as the saying goes and uh you know great great end to the end
0: to the game <laughs> Absolutely, a moment for the ages There's no two ways about it And I hope everybody enjoys the hell out of it Interestingly Mo, you may uh, may be new to you or not Depending on whether you're following along Or keeping your eye on various monitors As we do the show It may be interesting to you to note That I think it might well be Joel Matip The man, the myth, the legend Who causes the fracas With his bizarre going down on his hands and knees And banging the ground celebration That seems to infuriate the bejesus Out of the Newcastle bench Who then I've seen individual things uh, picturing, showing them, um, throwing things at the Liverpool bench, a couple of lads in Newcastle um, uh, tops. So uh, it'd be interesting to see if there's any further aftermath from that. But uh, why am I not surprised? That it's Joel Matip who's front and centre in terms of being just gloriously odd uh, and uh, winding up people to no end uh, and then or staring at them with his big smiley head is great stuff too um, I do want to, oh my god a picture Carl's just put into the uh, thread here where you've got two Newcastle lads completely prostrate prostrate, not prostrate uh, with uh with uh, Fabinho standing between them. And as Carl says, that's not even after the goal. It's just, it sums the game up beautifully. Moat, get your final thoughts then on it. And do also please let us know if there's anything coming up uh, from you around the uh, financial side of the game as um, your Money Talk show uh, is such a popular sporadic uh, event on uh, Field Index. Just your sum up thoughts and let us know what's coming up from you.
3: Yeah, so... Um, you know clearly the result that um, was the key today. Performance uh, certainly first half um, show that there is still uh, several levels that we need to um, climb before we, we get back to our uh, imperious best. Uh, and you know whether that's an incoming, whether that's returning players that have been sidelined. Um, whether that's changing the way um, we're setting up tactically, or a combination of all of those, um, but as I said, we, we we do need to address it very very quickly, and, and hopefully we um, will show the kind of humility um, to try and you know, deal with these matters. So you know that that was the key thing today. It was about the three points. You know, had we lost further ground on City, um, any faint hope of winning the title this season, pretty much for me would have would have been gone. Um, but we're still in with a chance, a slim chance albeit, be um, even though there are still 33 games to go. Uh, but, so there's that. Uh, the one, one thing I did want to mention though, and just to end it on a bit of a sour note uh, before I get my plug in, is um, Andrew Robertson. I, I thought again, uh, sure, he, he played well at the weekend against Bournemouth, but um, for me, another subpar performance from him. Um, and a lot of his performances over the last 18 months, coming up to two years, have, have not really been at the standards we'd seen from him, um, 18, 19, 19, 20, even 17, 18. So, you know, for, for me, I, I, th- I think there is certainly an argument that Simicast um, deserves to start some games. And uh, I thought when he came on in the second half, um, you know, he, he showed... Me a bit more than Andrew, Robertson's, Andrew Robertson did when, when he was on the pitch. Um, a bit more energy, a bit more creativity. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think he deserved a chance at least. So let, let's see what happens on that front. Um, but overall, delighted with um, that finish to the game. That's one that will live long in the memory. In terms of uh, money talks, I will be joining uh, Eddie on Friday um, this week. After the transfer, we know, slam shut um, to reflect on, um, you know, incomings and outgoings from a financial perspective. And if we haven't spent as much as we um, thought we might or we perhaps could have done, why the reasons might be for that to have happened. Um, So it'll be a financial reflection on the transfer window uh, with Eddie and myself um, this Friday. So that's one for our listeners to look forward to.
0: Absolutely. I hope, man, I hope you have something to talk about that's upbeat because otherwise I would happily, happily suggest that you should uh, take a few live phone calls and I'll come on as, I don't know, Martin from Leicester and give out hell because uh, I imagine it would be quite entertaining uh, if you're going to be doing it. I can imagine the fume will be high, so hopefully there'll be something that drops in the last minute. And hopefully it's not Douglas Louise from Aston Villa, because why? Anyway, let's uh, thanks for that, Mo. And we'll finish, Carl, uh, with yourself and your final thoughts uh, before you let us know uh, what it is that's coming up from you.
2: Um, yeah, final thoughts. I think, I think we've pretty much covered uh, quite a few times the same thing this season, that there are definite improvements that need to be made, that we can see that there's a bit of a, a disconnect in the midfield balance at the minute. Uh, I completely agree on Andy Robertson as well. I don't think he was, I don't think he either fullback played well at all today. I think it was completely the right call. Uh, and I forgot to mention it earlier on, actually that you know, Trent didn't have a good game. His deliveries were not good. The set pieces from both of them were pretty poor. It was a big call to take off both our fullbacks considering how important they've been tactically. But I think that that's one Klopp got absolutely spot on. Um, adding the captain as well. And that triple change was obviously a, a very big decision to make and even if it wasn't for the injury, you know, it's it's one that had to be made. It was the right one to be made. Klopper said after the game that Elliot was the best player in the park, which I'm very glad to hear the uh, reaffirmation of, if you like, because I think he's been our best player this season, full stop. Um, and just a couple of oddities to finish up with, as usual. Uh, Roberto Firmino, obviously not very heralded for goal scoring, but just like he was for a little bit last season, he's now our joint top scorer and is averaging a goal every about 120 minutes of play, um, which is pretty nice for him, to be honest. Um, Mohamed Salah didn't have a good game at all today and yet ends the match with two assists. So there you go. That's how stats work in in this day and age for Liverpool when things just happen because they happen. Um, Fabio Cavalier, 14 touches of the ball and probably the hardest one anybody will hit all season long. Uh, I don't really have too much else to offer you in the statistical world today. What's coming from me, I've got a big uh, American Transfers piece which came out this morning on The Independent, which would be very nice if people decide to read that. And I will have stuff on the weekend ahead and all the Champions League bits. And I'll be doing Scout Up with Guy, I think, for, for Everton.
0: Yes, absolutely. While Dave is recuperating and hopefully on his way back to recovery quite quickly, uh, we look forward to listening to yourself and Guy on that. And make sure you're reading all the writings of Mr. Matchett on a regular basis because uh, he's one of the few who gets it. Similarly, with Mo, um, those shows are always sort of landmarks and very interesting and engaging. Uh, and hopefully, like I said, there'll be a little bit of an upside uh, to it for the lads so that it's not just all all fume uh, or all analysis of disappointment. One way or the other, we've had a wonderful win uh, in the most dramatic circumstances possible tonight. Um, we'll take that, I guess, every single time and twice on a Sunday. This was Raw. I've been Trev Downey. You heard Carl Matchett. You heard Mo Chatra Guy Drinkle has produced and we'll be back with you very soon again and again and again.
1: We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show.